0: Let's say I'm in retail and I'm I'm a small retailer in a small town and I read a customer story about somebody using your software and having success. That is the kind of stuff that tips me towards your solution over your competitor. And those are the kinds of pieces of content marketing that can be produced deeper in the funnel and are worth a thousand blog posts or a thousand podcast episodes to a business whose goal is sales today. I'm Ryan Dice from DigitalMarketer.com and you're listening to my buddy Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy.
1: Hello there, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to GetMeToDone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at Hello and welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast. I'm Ash Roy. I'm the host of the Productive Insights Podcast and the founder of ProductiveInsights.com. I recently had the pleasure of meeting Russ Hennebury at Digital Marketers Down Under, where he moderated a panel which I was featured on. The panel talked about content marketing. And until recently, Russ worked for DigitalMarketer.com as a content marketing expert I've done his content marketing mastery course on the Digital Marketer portal, and I got a lot of value from it. So when I was introduced to Russ, I had to ask him to come and be a guest on the Productive Insights podcast because I think he's got a ton of value to share. So I'm delighted to welcome Russ Hennebury from modernpublisher.com. Welcome, Russ.
0: Hey, how are you doing, Ash? Good to see you, man.
1: Good to see you too, man. I was fantastic meeting you at Digital Marketers <laughs> Down Under, and I particularly liked your incredible Aussie accent, so can you just <laughs> give us a bit of a feel of that? G'day, mate. Can we have that? Yeah, sure, mate?
0: sure. Sure. No dramas. <laughs>
1: uh... Okay, hang on, hang on. A bit of speech therapy. Here. It's no dramas.
0: No dramas. No, no dramas. no dramas mate. Exactly. No dramas mate.
1: I'm loving How
0: this. How you going? How you going, Rash? How
1: that's, you going? That's beautiful. How you going? That's beautiful. If you really want to be very awkward about it, you go, Hey girl, do you going? Have a good weekend."
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just throw it all. Yeah. It's all one word. It's
1: all one word. "Hey, go you have a good weekend." <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've been back from Australia for guess a month or so. So I'm starting to lose my Aussie accent. I can't wait to get back down there.
1: Well, you just need to keep talking to me, man.
0: I've, (laughs) I've got the strongest
1: Aussie accent. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, my accent's kind of mixed between Aussie and Indian and goodness knows what else. I lived in England for some time. So, okay. So Russ, we're here to talk about content marketing and man, I really am expecting no pressure, but I'm expecting a lot of value from you because you really know your stuff. Russ, you managed a lot of digital marketers' content and their content strategy. You were essentially a curator, if I'm not mistaken. You decided on who would speak at Traffic and Conversion Summit for many years. So you've got a very strong background in content marketing. Can you tell us a little bit about your history and how you contributed to Digital Marketer in the content marketing space?
0: Yeah, totally. So thank you. I started out in digital marketing. I started a, a business like back in 04. It was my first company. I started a website and started to figure out like, hey, why why is this site ranking above my website and all this stuff and come to find out about SEO. And I started playing around with pay-per-click marketing and really fell in love with the digital side of business and digital marketing and, and haven't really looked back since. In about 2008, I would say, so a little over 10 years ago, I kind of rebranded myself from an SEO guy Mm -hmm. to a content marketing guy. Mm -hmm. And I remember when it first got started, it was like I was going into people's offices as a freelancer and telling them, you know, they needed content marketing and they didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And it was pretty interesting to watch the transformation from about 2008 to, let's say, 2014 or so, about six years of, you know, content marketing becoming a real well-known discipline amongst the, the business community. You know, I was starting to get people reaching out to me saying like, Hey, I hear, you know, about this content marketing thing. Like, what is that? Like, how do I, you know, people put me on stages to talk about it. And it really came from, from this idea of understanding that, that search engine optimization, you know, the act of, of trying to improve a piece of content to get more organic search results is really a subdiscipline of content marketing. Right. You know, when I kind of got started in all this stuff, Ash, like you could do all kinds of weird stuff to get a page to rank in the Correct. search engines, even though the content was no good. But I started to think like, what's the point of me getting trapped to these low quality pages? Like they don't convert anybody in anything. And I kind of went on this quest to figure out how do I take this content marketing discipline and really start to connect it to business results. Because content marketing is always one of those soft disciplines in digital marketing, as opposed to something like email marketing or paid traffic, copywriting, like these direct response, like, you know, I send an email, I make money. I I put out an ad, I make money. Content marketing and social media marketing always have been one of these soft disciplines that's been difficult to connect back to revenue. Yes. So I kind of want this quest, like, how do I, A, develop the content marketing processes and strategies and so forth to apply to businesses so that they get real results? And then how do I communicate those results Uh to the stakeholders, whether it's my clients or, you know, my own properties that I own. And so throughout that quest, I've worked for salesforce.com. I worked for Neil Patel at Crazy Egg. I started that blog for him and ran that for Two and a half years or so, learned a lot from Neil. And I worked for Ryan Dice at digitalmarketer.com. Worked for a lot of smart people, worked with a lot of smart people, did a lot of uh, experimentation and played with a lot of things and learned a lot of things along the way. But yeah, you know, my role at Digital Marketer was director of editorial. And so I was in charge of the team that is putting any content on the front end. And I was also in charge of the product itself because we actually produce content for sale. So it was my department to be a steward over the product and over the the content that was driving awareness kind of on the front end.
1: Right. Well, there's some interesting names you've mentioned there. Ran Fishkin was a guest on episode 38 or 39. I can't remember which one exactly on this podcast. And we actually talked about exactly this topic. At the time, he was the CEO of SEO Moz. Yeah. And he started to allude to this conversation around content marketing is kind of becoming the new SEO. I'm not saying that there is no such thing as SEO. Absolutely, there is. But SEO and content are kind of more and more a continuum. You know, you alluded earlier mm-hmm. to you could do various things to rank on page one of Google, like buy backlinks and keyword stuffing and so on. But Google algorithms are getting smarter and smarter and they push you down the rankings now if you do these artificial black hat or gray hat stuff. So ultimately Google has one objective and one objective only as Rand Fishkin said, and that is to give people the best possible search experience. So if you can fulfill that objective that Google has, which is give people a result and solve a problem with your content, then over time, and over time is the important phrase here, you are going to do well on search results. Neil Patel was on on episode one, the very first episode of this podcast, so that's pretty cool. And you were actually in touch with John Morrow at one point, who was my mentor, who taught me how to write personally, and he was featured on episode three. John Morrow is a phenomenal
0: writer, isn't he? John Morrow is a phenomenal human being. Yes. I was about to say that (laughs) next. Yeah. And a phenomenal writer and I knew his writing before I knew him as a human being. And uh, yeah, I owe a lot, you know, my success, at least getting started in this business from John. But yeah, it just goes to show you, right? Like we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, you know, Rand Fishkin, John Morrow, Neil Patel, Ryan Dice, like these people, the more you can learn from them and watch what they're doing and and sort of mimic what they're doing, the better off you're going to be.
1: And you know, John Morrow was actually trained by a guy called Brian Clark, the founder of Copyblogger. And I actually sure. had the honor of grabbing a beer with him when he was here in Sydney. He was he spent about six months in Australia last year. And he was on episode 116. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube, check out episode 116, productiveinsights.com forward slash 116. Okay, so Russ, let's get back to what we're talking about. You've touched on how content marketing can be profitable for businesses because ultimately it comes down to solving a problem, creating great quality content and being the solution that often could lead to a purchase decision. So an example I remember discussing with Joe Polizzi in episode 75, the founder of Content Marketing Institute, the analogy was this, if you're creating washing machines, There's no point creating content about why your washing machine is the best in the world if the person that is checking out Google to buy a washing machine is trying to decide on the difference between a top loader and a front loader. So in that scenario, you're better off writing content about top loaders versus front loaders first, which then naturally leads to a purchase decision. And if they see your content that helps them solve that top loader versus front loader problem, they're more likely to buy from you. So could you give us a little bit of your take on that, particular approach to content creation?
0: Yeah. So I call it full funnel content marketing, right? And full funnel content marketing is about understanding that content marketing is not blogging. Okay. Content marketing is not podcasting. The misnomer here is, you know, sometimes I'll go to a business owner and say, oh, are you doing some content marketing? Are you doing any content marketing at all? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, we're blogging. They feel like if they checkmark the blog box that they're doing content marketing. And while blogs are you know, I love blogs and I think they're super critical. I love podcasts. They're actually just a component. Correct. If we want to connect content marketing back to our business results is we need to look at the full funnel. So let's mm-hmm. talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about awareness. All right. So you've got awareness at the front end. No one can buy your stuff unless they first know they become aware of you and your brands and, and your solution. We get, get people aware and engaged. Then we move on to the next stage, which, which I would call subscription. All right. So in digital marketing, one of the beautiful things about digital marketing is we can get people to raise their hand and say, Yes, I'm interested. I would like to hear more. I want to give you permission. And, you know, Seth Godin's now ancient book, uh, Permission Marketing, right? Yes. I want to give you permission to continue the conversation so they will subscribe, right? Yep. And typically that's in the form of an email address these days, right? Yes. After the subscription, we're looking for purchase, right? We're looking Mm -hmm. to move to the point of sale. The fourth stage that I think a lot of people forget about in content marketing is the support stage, right? So the post purchase content marketing, which, you know, the goals there at post purchase are to increase retention or reduce churn, you know, however you want to describe it and increase cross selling upselling, right? So get people to buy more, get people to buy more often. So, When you look at your content marketing from this perspective, and you're approaching a business, let's say you're an agency or a freelancer, or you're looking at your own business, what you need to ask yourself is, which of those four goals do I want to attack right now? Do I need more awareness and engagement? If so, yes, start a podcast, start a blog, right? Those vehicles are really, really great at what we call the top of the funnel, Mm -hmm. At getting a lot of awareness and engagement, producing a lot of value in advance, growing authority, growing trust, all that stuff. But if your goal is sales, right, sales right now, right, then don't go start a blog, right? Mm -hmm. Don't go start a podcast. Instead, look deeper in the funnel at pieces that could be created in your content marketing Mm -hmm. that would assist the sale. So this would include things like a demo of your product. This would include pieces that compare your product, your product or your solution yeah. against competing solutions. This would include things like customer stories, which are very much a part of content marketing in the way I define it, yeah. where you know, you're know you going out there and you're, let's say you're a software company and you provide accounting software go out there and interview and tell the stories of your customers, right? Because if I'm in the consideration, I'm getting ready to purchase and I'm looking at a few different accounting solution products Yep. and I go and I read a story that's very similar to my business. Like let's say I'm in retail and I'm I'm a small retailer in a small town and I read a customer story about somebody using your software and having success. That is the kind of stuff that tips me towards your solution over your competitor. And those are the kinds of pieces of content marketing that can be produced deeper in the funnel and are worth a thousand blog posts or a thousand podcast episodes to a business whose goal is sales today, right? If your goal is lead generation, for example, and you feel like, okay, problem is lead generation, then you need subscription content. So this would be things like lead magnets, right? Mm -hmm. So a lead magnet is a piece of content that is behind an opt-in, right? So somebody's gotta give you their email address. So that same accounting software could create a white paper or they could create a checklist. You know, here are the things you need to be thinking through before you do your taxes in 2020, right? Or 2019, whatever, right? And opt in to get this piece of content and that's gonna generate leads, for you. Don't go starting a podcast if you need subscription. Mm -hmm. Don't go starting building lead magnets if you need awareness. And then, you know, of course, if you're looking at a business as you got a client or stick rate, right, you're not able to keep people from churning off of your solution, Mm -hmm. then you need support level content. So I'll tell you a quick story. I am starting a new project. And so this is just quintessential perfect content marketing i started a trial with like four different software companies to see which one was going to be the right solution for this project that i'm working on and you know this software this solution's got to be able to do a couple of different things the way i need them to do you know for me to choose their software solution and so i start asking questions and i start asking those questions on google like can campaign monitor do x can active campaign do why you know and i'm using google to try to figure out whether or not these software companies have these very specific features these are features that would not be listed on their sales right. page right and i was finding the content that i needed sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes i was finding it from the brand other times i was finding it from independent people that were like hey you know here's a youtube video showing you how to do this with campaign monitor or active campaign but this is a tremendous opportunity right here yes. for point of sale content marketing where if ActiveCampaign knew that, you know, during the course of a month, 25 people go to Google and ask Google if they can do – if they can merge address fields into the thing. Let's say that's what I need. That would be a very fantastic page to create on their website. That's called what I call a money page right? Because that's worth more than thousands of visits to some blog post about 10 tips, 10 email tips. And I'm not downing blogging and I'm not downing podcasting. What I'm saying is you need to know what the goal of is, right? Absolutely. Talk to your clients, talk, think about your own business and think about what do I want to affect here? Is it churn retention? Is it sales conversion? Is it lead generation? Or is it more of a top of funnel. Like, and and I always say this, like, is you probably heard this before, right? Ash, like where somebody say, man, I have got the best product. If anybody just knew that I existed, well, you've got an awareness problem. Yes. Start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, start a blog, but don't expect that blog to necessarily really have that much effect on the back end of your, your churn numbers or your, even your point of sale numbers so many points you
1: touched on this is why i wanted you on the podcast i really like what you say about full funnel marketing and how you distinguish the different stages at which content needs to be created you talked about awareness you talked about subscription you talked about the purchase decision and i completely agree with you and this corresponds to the five stages of awareness there is a tendency in online marketing for people to just think lead magnet nurture sequence, sale. But what is missing often in people's thinking is the kind of content that needs to be created at each of those points is a little bit different. So what you talked about there, you know, comparison content, active campaign versus campaign monitor, that is what Rand Fishkin calls searcher intent. It's tapping into searcher intent. It's looking at a detailed comparison between two products that means the searcher is pretty close to making a purchase decision versus a searcher typing in what type of email software do i need that's much earlier in the funnel in terms of the full funnel that would be just after maybe awareness stage so that's a great point it's important to build a mailing list but you should be aware of general data protection requirements that apply to people in the european union i think that's a very healthy practice it just requires you to have what is called list hygiene and Richard Lindner talked about that really well in episode 171 you know you don't want to email people about stuff that they haven't subscribed to this business of buying lists and you know just emailing people ad nauseum is not a good idea So definitely check out episode 171. And I did an episode with a guy called Bobby Klink, who's a lawyer. And he talked in detail about general data protection regulation and how you can make sure you're compliant with that. Now, yes, it only applies to the European Union at the moment, but I think it's a very healthy practice. So think about that. In the full funnel content marketing process, you talked about being able to produce content and deliver it to people at the right time and at the right stage on their journey. In episode 177, I spoke to a guy called Barry Moore who talked about tagging in ActiveCampaign. And I think tagging is a super powerful strategy. André Chaperon talked about this in episode 140 where he said he tends to tag people and he uses largely automation sequences to email his people. The key word is relevance. He stays relevant to people. And I think if you have an intelligent tagging strategy, then you can email people with content that they want at their stage in the journey so you're not just blasting everybody on your list with an email. So those are some things to definitely think about. You also mentioned case studies or you said stories. The case study format is great. I learned that from I think it was James Schramko or maybe Taki Moore and basically you look at the before stage, you look at the work that you did together and then the after stage and that's the format for creating a case study and you can build a story around that. I found that to be extremely valuable. And when I presented at Digital Marketers Down Under, I actually used a couple of case studies in my presentation and that was well-received because your audience can often put themselves in the shoes of the person who you're presenting as the case study and it gives them an opportunity to think, yes, this could work for me. And as Ryan Dye right. said in episode 170, people aren't just thinking, will this product work? They're often asking in their minds, will this work for me?
0: That's right. You know, and Ryan taught me this. It's not that they don't think it will work. It's not that they don't think that you can do it. It's not that they don't think that other people could do it. Your job as a marketer, a lot of times, is to convince them that they can do it. Yes. Right. That for some reason, for whatever reason, and customer stories go a long way. You know, helping them overcome that fear that this won't work for me. It won't work for my circumstances. If you can tell a similar story, somebody will relate to right? That can go a long way in conversion.
1: Absolutely. And you can also use that format in podcasts or in other forms of content. So in episode 80 and episode 150, I did a case study format interview doing exactly that, the before stage, the work that we did together in the after stage, the results. And that produced a lot of interest towards what digital market would call the bottom of the funnel, because that's Mm -hmm. closer to the purchase decision style content. Okay, Russ, in terms of content creation versus promotion, Neil Patel often says, "If you spend twenty percent of your time creating content, then you should spend eighty percent of your time promoting it. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've become much less interested in producing a lot of new material and much more interested in finding new audiences for material that I know is working so one of the things that's that's changed a lot we talked about you know when i got started in this business the general and it was true is that volume it was it was important right you needed you needed to pro- be producing a mass volume of content especially if you wanted to get a lot of search traffic today what i'm looking for is the next hook that's going to win to my audience so What I talk about a lot is putting as many hooks out in the water as you possibly can using whatever you're most comfortable with producing. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're you're somebody that likes audio, right? Audio is an easy way for you to produce content. Go ahead and produce audio Mm -hmm. and put out a lot of hooks, right? So, and what I mean by a hook is what topic and the, and it's not just the topic, but the way you describe that topic is going to hit with your audience. And if it does hit, you'll see it, right? You will see it because you're going to get five times the downloads on that podcast episode, or you're going to get, you know, 3X the open rate on that email that you use that hook in the subject line, or that blog post is going to get shared more often. And you want to be watching and almost using your analytics as A little bell that will go off when you say, whoa, right there, that piece right there, that's a hook that is working with the audience. And once I find my next big hook, I'm going to go and wear that thing out to a lot of different audiences. I'm going to buy traffic to it. And then I'm going to also repurpose it. So I'm going to turn it into a webinar. I'll take that podcast episode, use the same hook and turn it into a webinar. I'll turn it into a stage presentation. I'll turn it into a blog post. I'll turn it into a lead magnet. I'll turn it into a lot of different things. And, you know, it won't always work as well. But typically when you find a good hook, so I'll give you a really great example from my time at Digital Marketer. Mm -hmm. We had a hook for a piece of content that we produced called the $10 a day traffic plan. Okay, Okay, so it was something that we produced with Molly Pittman and we went out there and we went to like six or seven different people that were buying traffic. So media buyers and we asked them, what would you do if you only had ten dollars a day to buy traffic? How would you spend it? Mm -hmm. And each one of these people gave us a different answer. So we went to like Ralph Burns and Justin Brooke and Keith Krantz and all these other experts. Right. Ryan Moran, like all these people. And we had the everybody gave us a different answer. It's a really good piece. Yeah. But the hook itself of the $10 a day on traffic, it's a hook, right? It's a spin on a topic that gets, you know, we write about it every day. We write right. about traffic and buying traffic. But the hook of $10 a day really, really resonated with the audience. And so we said, wow, man, that did 10 times better than anything we've run in the last, you know, three months. So again, we ran it out as a webinar. We turned it into an information product. We did it as a stage presentation. Like, you know, each one goes into more depth, right? Like the information product was a really in-depth, here's how to run a $10 a day traffic plan. The stage presentation was 45 minutes. The webinar is 45 minutes, right? So what you're looking for is not volume, right? Unless you're a publisher and you really need to sort of, that's kind of a, a yes or no question. Are you a publisher? Are you TechCrunch? Are you Mashable? Are you New York Times, right? Are you in the publishing business? And typically if you are, you're selling advertising or subscriptions to your content as your revenue model. If you're not doing that, then forget the volume game, okay? Instead, produce really, really incredible stuff and then go out there and, and find new audiences to show it to. And here's the other thing is, Go back, go into your Google Analytics right now and go and look at, you know, the last six months on your website, go into your podcast stats, go into your webinars. If you do regular webinars, wherever you're producing content and you're throwing hooks out and look at the stuff that you've produced over the last six months and find winners. The winner. There's going to be two or three winners in there and run those back out again. Okay. So Instead of producing another podcast episode, if your episode with John Morrow just literally crushed, go out there and run it again. Like people don't understand this, but, and and I did it for a long time. I I was like, well, you can't run something again. Mm -hmm. A blog post goes out, it gets what it gets, and then it's done. That's it. The life of it is over. But the fact is you want to be treating your content much more the way Wikipedia treats their website and their content. Right. You want to be continuously updating the same pages on your website with making it better, making it more relevant, making it more timely, and then go out there and re-energize it and throw more traffic at it because it's what's winning. Yes. Right. That you know you'd be much better off today to go back and look for something that won last year and rerun it. Right. Yes. Update it a little bit and rerun it. Yes. Then you would be to sit down and produce another piece today because you might swing and miss with that piece. I can promise you that audience, they responded to that thing a year ago. They'll respond to it again.
1: Okay, a couple of questions. When you say the words, run it again, what does that mean? And yeah. uh, Darren Rouse, who's also been on this podcast, actually talks about this specific thing. He wrote an excellent blog post about this. He's the founder of ProBlogger, and he wrote about how to go back and update your content. One of those ideas is you change the headline to the current year, but then you make sure the content is consistent with the promise the headline makes so you actually go through and update the content to make it relevant for 2019 so i get that part but when you say run it again what does that mean
0: well so let's talk about this as it applies to seo because it is an important part of seo you know one of the problems that google is dealing with right now is that there's a tremendous amount of dead what i call dead timber on the web uh-huh. so everybody that's listening to this has probably got a website or 10 that is dead and is no longer being updated, but it's still online. You've probably got parts of your website that I call the back room where you throw all the clutter when somebody comes over to your house. Right? It's the room. You don't want anybody to open the door and go into uh, when they're over (laughs) at your house because you threw all the crap back in there right right before they came over. These are the pages that are on your site that you don't want anybody to really find, but you don't know what to do with them. They are still online. And Google knows that there's just a tremendous amount of the web that is this dead timber. Well, What they're starting to do and they've been doing for a couple of years now uh, more and more is they're starting to reward people that tend to the content they already have online. Mm -hmm. Instead of just leaving these blog posts to wither and die and become outdated, links break, images break, all this stuff. You're better off to go in there and do what I call the now with more process. So I call Uh this process now with more because it's, you know, marketing was all about words and how you position things. One way you could go out to your audience is you could say, Hey, I ran this post last year. It was good. So I'm running it again. I'm going to, I want you to go read it again. So I'm dusting off an oldie, but a goodie. That's not a real compelling way to get people to go and and experience your content. Instead, what you want to do is you want to say, Hey, this was one of my best pieces. And now it has more, Right? right? I added an infographic or I added a couple of videos or I added a whole section on X or Y or Z or I update it for, you know, what you're going to need as we head into 2020 or, you know, whatever it is, you want that to be communicated when you go out to promote it. You want to be saying now with more, right? So it's like, and you see this a lot of times with food items or, you know, it's like, hey, like you love Oreos yeah. and now they have more, there's more yeah. stuff inside of them or there's work. So the whole now with more process. And what I mean when I say promote is I mean, you should have a process in place when you produce a piece of content, especially at the top of the funnel, a blog post, a podcast, a video, whatever it is, you have a process where you go out and you promote that to the audience, whether it's your email list, your social channels, right? You're going to buy some traffic to it. I encourage you to Go back, find a winner from the last 12 months, 24 months, apply a now with more process to it, add stuff to it, make adjustments to it, make it better. And then go out there and, and run it out to your email list, your social channels, buy some traffic to it. And what you'll see is you'll see that post will get a spike of traffic, of course, right? You sent some email traffic it, yeah. you bought, bought some traffic in. But if you look at your SEO traffic to that page, it will return back down to a new normal. And it'll be higher typically than it was before. And it's because you're treating your site more like Wikipedia, right? Mm. So, Wikipedia published the very first Abraham Lincoln page back in 1998. That page had about 200 words on it about Abraham Lincoln. Uh All right. Today, that page has gone through tens of thousands of iterations and improvements. Today, that page has about 15,000 words on it. Uh-huh. It has about 100 pictures of Abraham Lincoln and other types of things. It's got you know a table in there about the time he was in and who his secretary of war was or whatever, right? It's so the that same page on that Wikipedia site has been updated and updated and updated. It's become better and better and better. So rather than writing a new Abraham Lincoln page and republishing it on some other URL – they're just going to continue to update that same thing. And that's what I encourage people to be doing today. If you're not a publisher, and even if you are, you can apply some of this. But if you're not a publisher, go and look for a page that's doing, I call it close but no cigar. Right. Okay? <laughs> so it's, it's not getting a ton of traffic yeah. from search, but it's getting some, right? And, even, and if you're fancy, you can go into Google Search Console and you can actually see the average position of a page and how close it is to getting good traffic. Pick a page that's getting, you know, some exposure to Google but not a lot and add that now with more process to it and then go and re-energize that page with traffic. Buy traffic, you know, even if it's just 10 bucks, buy some traffic to it, use the boost post button on Facebook and buy some traffic to it, send it out to your email list, put it out to your organic social channels, get traffic to it and then repeat, right? Right, And you can make this your entire content strategy at the top of the funnel for 2020 is I'm not going to write anything new. I'm not going to create anything new. I'm just going to find what worked last year. I'm going to improve it and I'm going to put it back out there.
1: So what I've been doing lately is I've been producing less podcast episodes, but I've been trying to make every single one of them a big hitter. And I'm trying to produce concentrated, high quality content. So I love what you're saying right now. In terms of repurposing, I'm trying to create transcriptions. They're not perfect because they're done by AI, but I don't think they have to be perfect as long as they've got reasonably good subheads. And I try and use those transcriptions to turn it into some kind of a useful lead magnet for my users. But man, I'm loving this now with more strategy. I want to know more about it. I'm gonna come back to that in a second. Some more tips I have for our listeners though. What you can also do in terms of SEO and in terms of cleaning out the crap from your website and cleaning house is you can go back to your old blog posts and link forward to other blog posts or podcast episodes that may be relevant to the old blog post. Because, yeah, sure, when we produce a blog post or a podcast episode, we link back to other episodes that might be relevant. I've mentioned like 10 of them or something on this episode, so we'll probably end up linking to a bunch of them retrospectively. But we can go back to those episodes and link forward to this one as well once it's published. And this business of linking internally is important as long as it's done in a way that improves the user experience. So that is definitely something to think about as well. But man, I'm loving this cleaning house and removing the dead timber. So tell me, how do our listeners find this Now With More solution on Modern Publisher? Is it on there?
0: So I'll be rolling out a course on content marketing fairly soon, but I don't have right now like a course on the now with more process. I've talked about it on stages several times. And if you're a member of digitalmarketer.com and the whole process is outlined in there as well.
1: Okay. So they can go to digital marketer and look for content marketing execution plan.
0: Yes. So if you join digital marketers lab program, there's a, there's an execution plan in there called. Content Engine, and uh, it's a course that I produced years ago, but I've, I've continued to update with you know, what's working now yeah. with content marketing. Okay, cool. It's very tactical.
1: What are your plans about producing something similar on your website, modernpublisher.com?
0: Well, I'm getting a lot of requests from people to, to produce a course, a, a super tactical course on content marketing. That's in the product roadmap for sure. Definitely interested in producing that. I've, I've got some new things to add as well. So
1: what are the biggest challenges, Russ, that you've seen people face when it comes to getting started with full funnel content marketing or improving their content, cleaning house, and what's the best and easiest way to overcome those challenges?
0: Well, like I said, I, I think what most of us think of as content marketing, we think of as at, at the top of the funnel. You know, we start to think, okay, if I'm going to do this content marketing thing, I've got to commit a ton of time and a ton of energy to it. And if I do that, I'm going to take my eye off the ball. You know, I've got a business to run. I don't have enough employees, all those kinds of things. And what I'm here to tell you is that, you know, if you're not a publisher, once again, you know, we've qualified that. You don't need to be writing a blog post a week. You know, you need to back off from, take that pressure off, produce you know, one thing a month. What I call it is you, know, you want to improve your batting average with these pieces. I don't know if they, in cricket, they use the word yeah, batting average. They right do. In. Yeah. Okay. Well, in, in baseball up here in the States, we use this term batting average. And what we're looking to do is we're looking to create, we're looking to get the maximum ROI out of the energy and the time that we spend on our content marketing. So if you're going to produce a blog post or if you're going to produce a lead magnet, or if you're going to produce, you know, whatever it is, you need to, make sure you've gone through a few steps. One is that, you know, the piece that you're going to produce is going to affect some business goal that you have. If your goal is subscription, in other words, you need more leads, don't go and spend your energy on producing a blog post. Instead go and produce a really killer lead magnet or a really killer webinar, right? So webinars are another really great way to generate leads. So you want to make sure that the vehicle that you're using, Is going to affect the business goal that you want it to affect and then the second thing is you want to create a piece of content that's going to attract the ideal customer so often I see people produce content they're just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall trying to make sure trying to see if something will stick but you know you want to ask yourself a few questions before you go and actually produce a piece of content things like what would my prospect be researching before they would go and purchase my product? Yeah. What problems are they looking to solve before? And, and this is important that before, so if I sell mountain bikes, you know, my prospect is going to be looking for things like, you know, they might be Googling things like mountain biking equipment or, you know, mountain biking. They might be looking for whether or not there's any mountain biking paths, in the area before they go and they they spend all this money to become a mountain biker. They might want to research the trails and the paths and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, Things that I'm thinking about, I'm researching and I'm trying to solve before I go and spend that money. Comes back
1: to that search or intent thing that Rand Fishkin was talking about.
0: Intent is the most important word in content marketing, is intent, right? If you can determine the intent... And it starts with knowing your customer, right? It starts with understanding what their problems and goals and values and all those things are. If you can understand that, then you can start to say, okay, well, what, what kinds of things are they looking for? What kinds of things are they searching for? What kinds of things can I either produce and try to get them out there via SEO? Or you know what I'll go out there and buy the traffic right the key is you know people are always thinking like I wouldn't buy traffic to a blog post or a podcast or any of those things but we do it all the time and the reason is because I know I've produced a piece of content that will attract the exact person that I'm looking to attract and it is going to overcome maybe overcome some objections it's gonna build authority for me it's gonna build value so yeah, we buy traffic to content, just pure content all the time, but it, we need to make sure that it's a piece of content that's going to fit in with the flow towards you know, what it is we're ultimately selling.
1: Man, this has been so informative. I'm just going to do a quick roundup and then talk about action steps. This is my favorite part. So feel free to jump in at the end and tell me if there's anything I've missed out on and you'd like to add anything. So we've talked about full funnel content marketing we talked about the awareness piece at uh, the subscription piece and then the purchase decision piece we talked about the importance of being compliant with general data protection regulation requirements and basically having a clean list and being very permission focused asking your audience what they want to hear about from you and then trying to only send them that information and that can be achieved using an intelligent tagging strategy which we touched on in episode 177 of this podcast Bobby Klink talked about the GDPR regulation, So you can learn a bit more about that in that episode. I like what you said is if your goal is sales, then don't start a blog and do the top of funnel content. So I like how you reframe things. You're talking about thinking in terms of full funnel content marketing and that there are different aspects to the funnel. Decide on what your objective is. Think about your searcher intent in terms of where the searcher is on their journey and then create content for that. So if a searcher is close to a purchase decision, their intent is going to be around purchasing and their content they may be searching for would more likely to be comparison type stuff, as opposed to should I or should I not do this thing kind of content. You also talked about cleaning house. So there's a whole lot of rubbish most of us have on our websites. Go back into your past content, update it, clean out the trash, because Google is looking behind that closed door that you think no one is looking behind, and Google wants you to have a clean house. Things have changed. Volume is not the only play anymore. Volume is important, sure, but it's good quality content, and you're better off having less high quality content than a whole ton of rubbish. So try and clean up the internet, do your bit, and make the internet environmentally friendly. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I like that you said that's actionable is go back to your Google analytics. Look at what's been happening in the last six months, which pieces of content are performing well, and think about how you can optimize it or update it and how you can perhaps use it to serve your audience better. Maybe your audience is ready to purchase now and you produced that content a year ago and it was more top of funnel content. Maybe you want to reframe it around the purchase bottom of funnel type content. So that's an important thing. And the other important thing I liked was if you're not a publisher, in other words, if you're not The Verge or New York Times, then you don't have to publish every second minute. Publish stuff, but make it good quality and then focus on amplifying your content. Figure out how to create hooks that help your content get to the right people. So use Facebook targeting and Facebook remarketing to your advantage. I did a great episode with Keith Krantz and another one, with Ralph Burns, where we talked about these things. Anything you'd like to add to that, Russ?
0: Yeah, so two things. One... When you go into this clean house exercise, don't go out there and just delete pages off of your website. Google will not like it if you just go in there and, and start deleting pages. So if you don't know what you're doing with that, consult an SEO professional about it. But you want to be doing, you want to be redirecting anything that you're going to remove from your site. You want to make sure that it's redirected so that when Google comes in there to access it, because it's been there for eons, right? Yeah that they get redirected somewhere instead of sent to a 404 page. They won't like that. And then the second thing is when we talked about full funnel content marketing, that fourth stage was something that you didn't mention, which is content that reduces churn, uh-huh. content that increases cross sell. You know, and I don't need another project to ask, you know that. <laughs> but if I was going to start an agency today, a content marketing agency, I would start an agency that does nothing but produce post-purchase content. It's the easiest content. You take existing businesses that have a strong business, they are very, very interested in retaining the customers that they have or supporting customers after the purchase. You know, whether it's somebody selling software or vacuum cleaners or whatever it is, producing content that makes their customers successful with the Uh product that they've already bought. Right. That kind of content is super unsexy okay it's not the big lead magnet that gets all the leads it's not the it's not the killer blog post that that went viral what it is is it's money in the bank what you'd be working with if you know very strong businesses understand that retaining the customers they have and selling more and more often to the customers they have is where it's at and content marketing is the perfect way to support the customers they already have. So whether that's support articles or videos that show people how to do interesting things with your product or how to have more success with your product, that stuff is very, very powerful. And something that whether you have clients or whether you're looking at your own site, take a good look at that as, as a strategy because there's just nothing but, but pure money there.
1: So let me ask you this. I recently launched a membership site which, by the way, you can access at com. I'm accepting founding members at a very discounted price right now. How do I use this post-purchase content strategy to deliver more value to my existing members?
0: So what I was using a lot when I was with DM, and we have a huge membership site called Digital Marketer Lab, which we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, producing content that supports the existing information products that I already have and giving that away out External for free and what I would do is I would take about midway through an article about let's say the article is about landing pages and landing page optimization or something like that about midway through the article I would say if you're a member of digital marketer lab you can get all the information more information about landing pages in this information product you already have access to it click here and go across if you're not a member of digital marketer lab you can click here and learn more about digital marketer lab. Right. So what what these pieces of content were doing was it was adding value, right? So it's adding value to people, whether you were a customer of Digital Marketer or not. But I was also saying I was adding more value to people that were already a member of Digital Marketer Lab by saying, hey, did you know there's more information about this in the premium level of Digital Marketer? You know and you're doing that here right you're doing it you literally did the exact same thing a minute <laughs> ago you said I've got this membership if you want more about this topic com. if you're a member of com, you can go get more information out of this piece of content that's in the members area or this training that I did on X or Y or Z but if you're not go check it out because it's pretty yes. cool so what you're doing there is you're supporting the existing people that are already paying you with with content but I'll tell you where, I mean, where this really is crazy and incredibly powerful is in the software space, in the physical product space, in the services space. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so when people are selling software, for example, like I said, you could start an agency that would do nothing but produce support articles that would live freely out on the web that people could find through Google search and, and other means that would just retain customers. Right. And by the way, that kind of support material also acquires customers because I don't know about you, but before I buy software, I go and I see how well laid out their their support material is. Yes, absolutely. And I'm checking features before I buy and I'm trying to figure out like, you know, how good is their support and all of that kind of stuff. And then with physical products, like I bought a – we literally just got a new dishwasher. My dishwasher went – it crapped out on us. So we bought a new dishwasher and it came in it was this new fangled thing, right? Well, you know, they installed it for us and then they left and I was like, wow, look at all the features on this thing. So I end up over on Google, you know, looking up how to use this and how to use that with this new dishwasher. That is all stuff. All of those pieces I was finding, these videos where they were showing me how to use this and how to use that and these support articles, all of that stuff makes me a, a happier customer yes right, more likely to buy from this company again and you're more likely to refer more likely to refer so literally post purchase content marketing is it's the lowest of low hanging fruit right. if you have an existing business or your clients already have a lot of business don't you know unless that's what they want don't start with the blog necessarily uh-huh. ask them like how how awesome would it be if i could make your customers buy more frequently or refer okay. more frequently or you know not cancel their membership or subscription yes by producing these 150 different pieces for you absolutely right? man
1: i mean in memberships i've ran the numbers on this you know retention is As important, if not more important than acquisition. And when I did my MBA, it was like, what, five to nine times more expensive to acquire a new customer as it does to retain an existing one. And I don't even think that particular statistic was talking about memberships.
0: So here's an incredible book that I just read, The Automatic Customer. Yes, John Warillo. Required reading for for these days in, in business where everybody's moving to this subscription model, right? Where we're looking to get recurring revenue. And this conversation around content marketing that supports subscription and recurring payment and, you know, selling more and more often to the customers you already have. If you're interested in all that, I would check out that book. It's a very, very tactical read.
1: Russ, how do people find out more about modern publishing? And can you give us a little bit of a feel for, who Modern Publisher helps and how they help them?
0: So, Modern Publisher, my my background is in building information products and selling information products. So I've built dozens of courses that have sold for millions and millions of dollars. And Modern Publisher is my portal, just like you have, uh, where I sell training on how to how to get into this business you know, and how to be successful as an information marketer. Right. So you're an information marketer. Tony Robbins is an information marketer. Marie Forleo, Oprah Winfrey, like a lot of people that we don't realize are actually info businesses, right? They don't sell markers and stuff like that. And they don't sell services. They sell us between their ears. And I love that as a business model, been successful in it. And I, I teach people how to get into that Business, how to build online courses, how to build an email list, how to run a a good webinar, how to so that kind of stuff. And so anybody that's either already or looking to get into the info business, you know, selling courses, selling events, selling books, selling all that kind of stuff. Anybody that wants to sell what's what's between their ears, I'd love to have you as a member over at modernpublisher.com and you can get Go over to modernpublisher.com there's a link a few links on there to something that I call the business growth canvas you can get jump on my email list I send a couple of emails a week that are filled with content I also sell things so expect uh, (laughs) that I will tell you about my products as well but uh, as I give a ton of value over there I love talking about this stuff if you're in this awesome information age business or want to be. Go over there and opt in, get to Business Growth Canvas and uh, I'd love to talk to you.
1: Cool. Well, man, it was really awesome having you on the show. And you know what? I think we need to have another conversation sometime about yeah. now with more approach. I really like it. I think we could do a whole episode on it.
0: Well, we could do a whole episode on on very very tactical ways to build compelling content that doesn't take forever to put together. That would be a cool episode. I am impressed. Not only with your interview style, because you're fantastic. Thank you. But you remember all these episode numbers. <laughs> Anybody else like floored by, like episode 172, I did this, and episode 18, it was that. And, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah,
1: a lot of people say that. I don't know how. I, I don't actually have a photographic memory or anything, but I just remember them. Maybe I feel so passionately about them and that's why I remember them. It's a fantastic way to, to cross promote content and to be able to yeah. be relevant. But still give people the option of going back and listening to other episodes if they're actually getting value out of this episode, you know, they'll know, oh, okay, next I'll listen to that. And I'm finding that it really helps to develop a deeper relationship with my customer or my listener. And that then is obviously more likely to turn into a customer relationship where they join my membership at So, I mean, it's
0: the same principle. Just like it's, it's easier to sell more and more often to customers you already have, it's easier to get somebody to listen to a second podcast episode or a third podcast episode if yes. they're listening to this one. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, what you got to do is in today's day and age, you'd be thinking less about how do I go out and get more and more and more and more stuffed into the top of the funnel and start looking at the people that are already giving you the attention, already giving you money, and, and seeing what you can do to help them more, right? Yes. How can you give them more value? And you're doing a fantastic job. You're just totally living it by cross-linking throughout your episodes. That is the biggest takeaway for me from this episode.
1: And that is don't try and get broader reach. Try and get deeper reach and deeper connection with your content. Content is about deepening your relationship with your existing customers, your existing audience, your existing listeners. So thanks so much for being on the show, Russ. And man, we got to tee up another one of these.
0: I enjoyed it a lot too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?